but the crisis is in education right now. Education affects so many different avenues of our society that if we don't have a process that's yielding a graduate by high school that's ready to be a contributing member of our society, we are failing ourselves not only today, but failing ourselves for the future. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative and today State Rep. Scott Sapicki, who represents part of Maury County, joins me. Scott's a mortgage banker, cattle rancher, and member of the West Seventh Church of Christ. He graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison with a BA in history and went on to be a professional baseball player for the Chicago White Sox and the Minnesota Twins and a professional football player for the Cincinnati Bengals and Minnesota Vikings. Now, while most would be excited to talk to Scott uh, because of his sports achievements, I've never voluntarily watched a sporting event. Um, but what does interest me and what I admire far more about Scott than his uh, athletic uh, accomplishments is the fact that he has stood up uh, on so many issues uh, that Republicans should be standing up on, and in my opinion, uh, on, on things like uh, medical freedom, things like school choice, and um, in a time when you think all Republicans would be championing these causes, instead, uh, we often have to rely on what I call the Freedom Caucus, uh, which is not an official caucus up in Nashville, but I think there is one up there, the Freedom Caucus. Maybe there should be an official one uh, in the General Assembly to represent your average Republican primary voter, Scott. Um, I feel resides in that category. I appreciate you being here and welcome to the program. Brendan, thank you for allowing me to come on and, and talk to everybody here in Tennessee about conservative uh, values and issues. Um, and you are right. We are working on a Freedom Caucus officially for Nashville. We're not there yet, but uh, the writing is on the wall that the people of Tennessee want uh, conservative leadership, want conservative principles. And I think that's one of the things that's made Tennessee so attractive right now. Well, I will tell you this. If y'all have a Freedom Caucus fundraiser, I will come and I will be one of the, the first donors and I will give as, as much as I can, uh, given the fact that much of what I do goes into the Tennessee conservative. But I would love to see that happen. Uh, I know this is a big job that you've been keeping up with a lot of the legislation that is going on uh, up in Nashville. And I thought if it's OK with you, we could just run through a few of those. Absolutely. All um, right. Well, let's. So is there anything, let's talk about what you want to talk about first, the things that you think are the most important, and then I'll go through this list uh, as we as we chit chat. So Brandon, let me back into this real quick. You know, there's issues with criminal justice, there's issues with immigration, there's issues with uh, healthcare, uh, there's issues with poverty. And one of the things that you could argue right now is we have a crisis, but the crisis is in education right now. Education affects so many different avenues of our society that if we don't have a process that's yielding a graduate by high school that's ready to be a contributing member of our society, we are failing ourselves not only today, but failing ourselves for the future. And so one of the big issues that I've already taken on, and you know this, is I've sunk my teeth into this Tennessee educational system. Now, Governor Lee and Commissioner Schwinn have started off with a rewrite that's what everybody's talking about right now is a rewrite of the BEP, which is the basic education program for Tennessee. It's how we fund education in Tennessee at the state level. Most budgets in, the, in our different counties 
they fund education at about 25 to 30 percent of the entire budget. The state kicks in about 70 percent, and the feds are about another five to six percent. And so we're we're going through this rewrite of this process, Brandon. But here's here's the question that we're asking ourselves right now: Are we putting the cart before the horse? Do we have a process in Tennessee that we believe will take raw materials of a child in, in kindergarten, spend 12 years educating that kid, and when they graduate high school are ready to be contributing members of our society? And I think the answer to that is no, it doesn't. Look, look, look at the statistical data we see from 32% literacy rates in third grade, 28% in eighth grade, 22% in high school. Remedial coursework is at an all-time high. 93% uh, of the kids right now that apply to the military cannot get in because they either failed the physical, the drug, or the written test. Uh, if you look at the Tennessee Promise, which, which came about, was two years of free community college. Everybody thought it'd be a great program for everybody to get involved. Our graduation rate now in the last year went from 57 to 51%. Yeah, your facial expression says everything. Well, I try not to make noises because it just cuts off the, the Zoom feed from you. And I, so I don't ever, I've learned not to say anything. And sometimes my, like I'm, I'm learning things uh, as we're going here. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the BEP funding changes. And I'm just going to throw out my, my little two cents here. And I don't mean this in any type of accusatory or derogatory way, but there seems to be a pattern where like when we fail in education, everyone has like some kind of emergency meeting, some kind of program with a new name is invented, some kind of new position is hired, and then there's like a big PR campaign, and then the results stay the same or get worse, but the money we spend goes up. Meanwhile, the kids come out illiterate in, in both math, science, and reading. That seems to be a 40-year pattern. So when they started talking about BEP formula redos, in my mind, I just think the same thing that has happened 39 years prior is going to happen again. Do you see anything different? No. I mean, if you, what is the classical definition of insanity, right? Expecting a different outcome from the same thing. Well, all we're doing right now with the BEP rewrite, Brandon, is we're just rearranging the chairs on the decks of the Titanic and giving, giving the ship a paint job, not expecting it to hit the iceberg that's in front of it. And that's where we are right now. And one of, the, one of the discussions that we're having as education chairs in Nashville, do we have a good process? Is the K through 12 process good? And the answer is no, it's not. I think we need to do a major overhaul to the process. And I think you've got to start with a solid baseline. When was education solid? When was education yielding the results we wanted it to in our country. And it was basically back in the early 70s when we were leading the world in education. It was very simplistic. It was the fundamentals and the foundational principles of education, reading, writing, and math in K through eight. In kindergarten, you learned something. In first grade, you reinforced it. Second grade, you learned something new. Third grade, you reinforced it. All the way up until eighth grade, so we knew that when our kids graduated eighth grades, they had a great foundational principles, reading, writing, and math, a little bit of science, a little bit of social studies. And then when they went to high school, because so many kids were on grade level, we could teach them algebra and, and trig and calc and biology and botany and foreign language. We, we were able to do all that. 
And I think one of the things we need to look at as a state right now, are we doing too much in education? Are we expecting our kids such as, um, I'm 55 years old, I don't know how old you are, you got a little bit of gray, but not as much as me. But I didn't take any algebra until I got to high school, freshman year, algebra one. We have algebra being taught to our fifth graders right now. Are we doing too much? Are we clogging the system up? You know, one, one would argue that education has changed since 1970s, right? But the human brain hasn't. It, it can only take things at a certain developmental level. And one of the things I've got a meeting with the Commissioner Schwinn and some of the governor's staff, along with other chairmen, is we want to say, we understand you want to look at the funding for the process, but why aren't we looking at the process first? Let's get a process that we know will work, that a process is simplistic and fundamental that can yield the greatest results for our kids. And once we have that process in place that we're confident in, then we talk about funding. And if it's a process we all believe in that we've looked at, we've repaired, we've, we've taken back, taken out, put in, then whatever that funding mechanism has to be, that's what it has to be. But I think we're doing this backwards. I think we're putting the cart before the horse and that's what has a lot of us very concerned. And like you talked about, is this just the latest uh, three alarm fire that we're gonna try to put out and create something new? So, so let me ask this. This is a question I have, and, and we may just this may just end up being all education talk today, which is fine with me. Um, so no one wants to go eat at a government restaurant. No one loves to go to the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Nobody likes the post office. Nobody likes going down to the county clerk and trying to pay anything. As nice as everyone is in government, they tend to not do as good a job at customer service or results as the private sector you can look at all the homeschool grades in the state of Tennessee, which takes zero funding. You can look at the private school grades in Tennessee, which takes zero funding, and they're all better. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, um, I worry about this generation that we have for the next decade in Tennessee. I don't know that anything can be done to the public education system that would actually serve those kids fast enough before they end up processing through a broken system. How strongly are Republicans looking at school choice to give these people an escape hatch that are stuck in some of these failing schools? Well, well, you know, I supported the educational savings account bill that Speaker Cassidy got passed, and we'll just leave it at that, okay? Um, but there were many amendments that were written on that bill to try to limit it to our two, one of our two of our worst performing districts in the state. And one, you can't argue that Shelby and Davidson County are two of our worst performers. And you can't argue that if we could fix those two systems, they would have the biggest impact in overall test scores in Tennessee. They're almost a third of our students. School choice has to be brought, on, brought in online here where parents who are in failing systems, you know, just because you live in an address or you have a particular zip code, as a child, you're kind of put in an adverse situation of educational opportunities. And parents, and I don't care what demographic, what financial background you come from, I have not met a parent in education that has said that they want their children to not be educated. I've never met one. 
Um, I've had some meetings in Shelby County where people are pleading with, pleading with me and, and our chairman to basically take the district over because they have no hope. Um, now, is, is government you know, the solution? No, it's not. I think you've got to bring all sources on board. You've got to bring the homeschoolers and, what, and look at what they're doing. Private schools, what they're doing. Successful public education, what are they doing? I don't know if you're familiar with it. There's a magnet school in downtown Nashville called Hume Fogg. Hume Fogg is, Hume Fogg is probably one of the best schools, ready for this, in the country. Uh, they have, they have, their graduates are going literally to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Oxford on full scholarships. It's a fantastic process. And Meg's is their middle school, same kind of outcomes. Their literacy rates are pushing 90%. What are they doing different? And why haven't we replicated that system in, in Nashville and Shelby? I think what we have to do, Brennan, is we got to look at this from a pragmatic view. If we don't fix education in Tennessee, the Tennessee that we have right now will be a thing of the past because the kids who are going to school now in 20 or 25 years will be sitting in the General Assembly and the Senate making decisions for all of us in Tennessee. So well, that, that is a cheerful, that is a cheerful picture, <laughs> Scott. Well, well, it's true. But for example, like me, um, I live in downtown urban Chattanooga. I have for mm -hmm. tw almost 20 years. Um, we drive 30 minutes to send our child to a small private Christian school where the tuition is half of what Tennessee spends. The mm -hmm. test scores are exemplary. Um, and of course, I've paid in. I've got I've got several businesses. I pay in a lot of taxes and my I will never see a penny in educational benefit because I cannot send my daughters to Brainerd High School. I can't send my kids um, there. Uh, there, I don't know that anyone has graduated uh, that can pass the ACT for college acceptance at that school. There are shootings in the park, parking lot. Teen pregnancy is through the roof, and there's tons of drug problems and behavioral problems in the school. Not sending my two daughters there. That's where I'm zoned. And uh, there are tons of people in Tennessee that are contributing members of society that can't participate in the educational process. And I would love to see some kind of educational tax credit or voucher for those individuals. And even if it were only 50% of what the state funded, I still think we could get our, I think we could get our kids educated even cheaper and use mm -hmm. a little bit of the parents' money to chip in. I don't know if any of that's going to be discussed in this session, but Lord, it's a, such a quick, fast solution and it involves no government whatsoever. You're right. And if you look at the states that have like Florida, who's gone all in on school choice, they've seen their test scores tremendously jump in the, in the public school system because you brought competition into the education system for those dollars. We have to make sure in the General Assembly that we are doing what's best for the students of Tennessee, whatever that choice is. If it's public, if it's private, if it's homeschool, all those options have to be afforded to our, to our parents. Now, the question we have is every bill that we run, in my mind, I picture two numbers, 50 and 17. I need 50 votes in the House and 17 votes in the Senate for anything to become law. Do we have 50 and 17 right now to uh, bring on full-scale full school choice? Two, three years ago, I don't, think, I don't think we did. But the one thing that COVID has done is it has exposed the educational system to parents because all the kids went home virtual. 
And now moms and dads are sitting at home listening to what's being taught to their kids. And you've seen it across this, across this country. Look at the race in Virginia for governor. That was all about education and school choice. And so COVID, as bad as it's been for our society and for our, for our citizens, the one thing it has done is, is exposed the shortcomings of public education. And I think that might be the leverage we can use to bring a change in public education, to bring school choice on board, to, to bring options for other kids in career technical. I mean, there are, um, there's a bill that I'm running. It hasn't got, I think it's 1674, House Bill 1674. And basically what it does is we have a program in Columbia State here in Murray County that, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, it's called the line, worker pro, uh, the line Worker Program. It's the guys who climb the telephone poles. Well, right now, that doesn't qualify for Tennessee Promise or Tennessee Reconnect. It's $4,000 for a 10-week course. They have an 83% graduation rate, a 100% placement rate, and the average starting pay is 35 bucks an hour. Sounds like you need to uh, get those people to replace Penny Schwinn. Well, that's, that's one of the things we're working on is, um, uh, and, and Commissioner Schwinn is not going to be the last commissioner of education in Tennessee. We know that. We've had Mr. Huffman, Ms. McQueen, now we got uh, Ms. Swin, and we're going to have another one. What, what I keep telling people is constitutionally, the General Assembly makes policy. We have to take back from the Commissioner of Education, from the Department of Education, we have to take back our constitutional authority to make policy in education. And the reason why we have to do that is if, if we will take the reins of education, I am, I am a lot closer to my constituents than Commissioner Schwinn is to my constituents. And so I hear, like I'm talking to you, I hear what people are saying. And the question I always ask Brandon is, well, why do you believe that's a good idea? What will that give us in options? How will that yield us the results we want moving forward? It doesn't matter who the Commissioner of Education is because their sole purpose is implementation and enforcement of the policy that the General Assembly puts forth. So in, in, in regards to education, you could quite possibly hire a retired four-star army general to come in and run the Department of Education because all, all they're doing is implementation and enforcement. That's where we got to get back. And the states that have a strong general assembly in education with policy are the ones that create the biggest opportunity across the board for our kids. Please do go to tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support. And when you give, we will send you this handy-dandy directory of all your state reps and senators. I, I will be encouraging you as bills move through committee and subcommittee to be contacting them so we can get good legislation through. And I'll be telling you who the rhinos are. As they go through committees, I'll send out emails. We'll send out texts. People will not be able to hide. Uh, and we'll also send you two proud Tennessee conservative bumper stickers. And if you get $50 or more or a recurring donation of any size, you get this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. This thing is a beauty. Uh, the other day I saw an 18-wheeler uh, that was off on the road. It had lost a couple of tires, and uh, we jacked that thing up, stuck this puppy underneath it. This thing will support um, about 50 metric tons of weight. Uh, you could actually you know, probably park the Statue of Liberty on top of this if she were not weeping convulsively. Uh, for the death of our nation and all things that uh, she was originally meant to honor. Uh, the Tennessee Conservative Tumblr can be yours, and we do need your support. 
I do this out of my back pocket because I believe in the mission. Uh, but with your help, we can reach more conservatives and we can do a better job than we're doing now. And it helps us also reach other conservatives because every time we uh, find a subscriber, it costs money. And uh, we are building our uh, list so that uh, we can tell you the truth because the corporate media outlets in our state will not do it. Uh, 90 some odd percent, I think it's about 95% of uh, reporters in the state of Tennessee identify that as liberal or left-leaning. And so, you know, you can't trust the news from there. Let me ask you, do you, do you think, and this is probably the most unscripted interview I've ever done because I always send people questions uh, in advance. Do you think we have votes for real school vouchers or choice? Uh, I've heard it said that if you ever want to get some Republicans that aren't very conservative to do anything conservative, you know, election year uh, up in Nashville is the year to try to get it done. Now, the next year you're screwed, right? It's back to right. block, blocking everything and taking taking a lot of PAC money because it's, it's too much work to fundraise back in the districts. But in election year, you've got a good shot. You can cram it in. Even people will hold their nose. And, and vote for something real conservative. Do you think we could give some relief to some of these parents that are stuck, uh, but maybe not do it in such a cherry picking way? I mean, I've seen that, you know, maybe uh, that Bell has put forth, uh, bless his heart on his way out, uh, some relief possibly to these people stuck in these, uh, I would refer to affectionately as COVID hellhole schools, where mm -hmm. all these restrictions that, that take away parental rights. But do you think just generally speaking, like, Hey, if, if you would like to have half of your tax dollars back, if you'd like to have some kind of access to something else where Tennessee could help you out, it seems like the state could save money. You could take some of that money that was left over that didn't go to the parent, put it back into the schools. This person gets school choice. The bureaucracy gets more money. Everybody wins. Could we see something like that? I, I think we're a lot closer than we've ever been, especially, uh, remember, Speaker Sexton, when he wasn't the speaker, opposed school choice. He voted no for the ESA bill. Well, he's, he's struck a different tone now about uh, um, giving parents the options. That, that, that bill you're talking about with Bell originally came from Speaker Sexton. It was I, have an, been, I would like to uh, interrupt this uh, program to say I appreciate uh, Speaker Sexton being far. He's the most conservative man we have in a leadership position in any branch of government in Nashville right now. And I know it is tough to herd cats, uh, and that's what you do as the Speaker of the House. You've got to tiptoe through the tulips because you got everybody's got a different opinion, so that's a very difficult position to be in. Uh, but my hat's off to him for tackling some of these tough issues, and we do polling on it here at the Tennessee Conservative, and it's not like half of the Republicans want it. It's like 93 97%. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just a no-brainer political win. And I, and I think what you're seeing right there, Brandon, is a result of COVID and virtual learning and everybody across the state. And I would be willing to bet you, you know, you start pulling Democrat, Republican, independent, I'll bet you school choice now is probably one of the number one uh, 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 hot topics for people wanting something to change. But it comes back to the core problem is education affects so many different other parts of our society. Like you said, teen pregnancy, gang violence, alcoholism, opportunities for advancement. It goes on and on and on. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we're kind of having some, some, um, some debates with the governor on is he's kind of struck a tone of, um, of trying to get into more of, of reforming in criminal justice instead of saying, hey, you did something wrong, you have to be punished for this. 
Now, um, we have to be very careful there on allowing people to get out of prison who we're scared of. If we're scared of you, there's a reason why we're scared of you and you should be locked up for that. Somebody that makes a stupid mistake, yeah, there should be reform for people that makes a stupid mistake. You drive through a, a school zone and you got some marijuana in the car, whether or not you believe in marijuana, that's beside the point, but you did something stupid, you're not a career criminal, you should have a, a means to make amends for that and get back into society as quick as you can. Because what, what if you're a dad with, with a, a wife and three kids at home and you do something stupid, is it better for us to keep you out of jail, contributing to your family, contributing to society while you pay some community service or something like that debt to us? But in education, here's where it strikes home. Every inmate that goes into our penitentiary system is screened, male and female, for education on reading. Female screen at a third grade level, male screen at a first grade level. Now, we all admit that they've probably done something very heinous to get into the penitentiary system. But did we fail them along the way in K through 12? That basically they had no other options. And the answer is yes, we have. Would, would have it been better for them to have an option of school choice? Probably. Would have been better than to have an educational system that was more focused on their outcome instead of how big we can make it, how much money we can put into it. Yeah, there is statistical data that does show that putting more money into education can yield better results. Doesn't say it is going to, it says it can, but it's, it's how you spend it. Why are private schools so successful? Why are homeschoolers so successful? The answer is focus. They focus on the fundamentals and they deliver. Well, I, I know one thing that um, that you just mentioned, and I'll, I'll try to wrap this up because you've been very kind with your time and you're trying to, to do your work. And I appreciate anybody that serves up in the General Assembly and also holds down a job back home because it's tough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of these people, I, I taught Miller Mont Technical College for a short period of time and folks that came out of um, came out of school to, to use the Hope Scholarship, they got in there and, and I'd be teaching like business law or business marketing or something like that. And, and, and they could not write a, a one-page essay with a beginning paragraph, closing paragraph, and three supporting it with punctuation. And that's 13 years. And I don't know, about $150,000 later, we can't teach them to read. You know, my, my daughter is in, you know, third grade. She, she reads really well. She writes fairly well. Penmanship needs a little work. We're working on it. But she's fantastic. And, and I watch grown men that, that get a diploma that can't, that, that are scoring in, as you mentioned, in prison at that rate. Um, it just seems to, to me a moral failing to take 13 years of a child's life and, and turn them out to where they have so few options. And, and we're talking about funding formulas and and, and stuff like that, it seems to me like this, this would almost be like if, if somebody dropped off a, someone having a, a heart attack at the legislature and if everybody came around them and instead of like getting that person to the heart, to the, to the, to the hospital, we've just been looking at them for 40 years talking about, well, can we give them an aspirin? Can we put a blanket on them? Can we put them on life support? Can we get them a ventilator? Can we get them a better ventilator? How about mm -hmm. we get them out of here and get them somewhere they can actually be treated, which in many cases is just not a public school anymore. That's correct. We know, if you go back and look at history, we know exactly what it takes to educate a kid because we did it at the highest levels in this country. But as government got bigger 
as lobbyists got more influential, as commissioners got more influential, as governors tinkered in education, right? We got way off track. And so one, one thing I'm gonna tell you is, you're gonna see a slate of bills coming forward this year that have to deal with the process, simplifying the process, making it more accountable to not only us, but the taxpayers and holding everybody accountable for that child that arrives in kindergarten that doesn't know anything and holding everybody accountable along the way to deliver somebody that can contribute to our society in a meaningful way and have choices have choices not only at the end of their educational career, but have choices during their educational career to go and do what's best for them. And I'm telling you this, there's a, there's a group of us in the education committee up there that's growing by numbers that we're gonna live and die on that wall. And we're gonna get education fixed in Tennessee to where everybody will be proud of it. And if we fix education in Tennessee, we'll fix criminal justice issues and healthcare issues and drug issues and gang issues and violence issues. Because I know one thing for sure with my education I have, the choices I have, I choose not to rob a bank because of the consequences to it. Because I have options. Let's give our children the options that they deserve in Tennessee. Well, Scott, I appreciate you being here. And if you are running a bill uh, that is conservative, anything that has to do with school choice, if anybody you know is doing anything surrounding school choice, I'm all about reforming the education system if it can be reformed. But should it not be able to be reformed on an individual basis, people need choices. And if I can help you, uh, I will put as much support uh, toward those bills as I can. Tell anybody up there in the legislature that wants to come on and talk about school choice that we will give them uh, unfettered access to the largest group of conservatives that I know of consuming this kind of news in the state. I'll give you the last word. And this has been one of the most open, honest, and frank conversations without a bunch of empty buzzwords we've ever had about school choice on this program, and I appreciate it. I'll give you the last word, Scott. Well, first of all, Brennan, thank you for allowing me to come on. I'm just one member of the Tennessee General Assembly, but my heart is in this education thing, and I will live and die on that wall for the people and the children of Tennessee. Um, I know it seems bleak at times, but on this Martin Luther King Day, I'm going to give you a quote, keep hope alive because one day we will get there and we will have the educational system to be the envy of our country. Well, thank you so much, Representative Scott Sapicki, for all you're doing in education. We're going to keep an eye on things, and if we can support a bill, let us know. I'm Brandon Lewis here with the Tennessee Conservative. Uh, if you believe in school choice, uh, get behind Scott and his efforts. Until next time, I'm signing off.